0: Would you please stand as we read God's word? From Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, And were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. And raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is God's word. You may be seated.
1: Please pray with me. Father, help us to understand more kind of God that you are, understand who you are, as you've revealed yourself to us in your word, as you've shown yourself in your son, and help us to understand these things so that we may bring more glory and honor and praise to you, and truly love and serve our neighbor as ourselves. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Not what my hands have done. Not what my hands have done. Those are the words uh, written from one sinner right, to other sinners in, an, in a hymn. We did not sing it this morning, um, which I should have made sure we sang it. But it's such a good hymn, uh, writing for other sinners to sing about the grace of God. Right? The gospel is not about what my hands have done, but about what thy hands, O oh God, have done. That's how the song goes, how the hymn goes. Um, the gospel is <clears throat> God's grace to us. And I think those are really perfect words to end another year. 2019 is almost at a, at a close. As we think back of all of the good things that have happened to ourselves, uh, to our families, to our communities, our city, um, we can only praise God for those things, right? And I think not what my hands have done are also great words as we enter into a new year, as we go into 2020, as we start another year with brand new adventures and desires and hopes and fears. I think what we need to have before us is not what my hands have done. Ephesians 2 uh, verses 8 through 10 is what I want us to focus on this morning. And, and here we have right the very central core of Paul's gospel. It's that same gospel that he will further elaborate on if we, if we read um, Romans, if we read Galatians, and we studied those other letters in detail, right? We'd see such a glorious picture of this gospel, how magnificent it is, how good this news is. And he teaches there and he teaches here that salvation is by God's grace alone. This is one of the great truths recovered um, at the time of the Reformation, sola gratia, which means by grace alone. And, and that's what I want us to really look at, um, where this this teaching comes from. Ephesians 2, 8-10 through 10 teaches us that salvation is entirely by God's grace, and this gift is received through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. Love that we sang in, in Christ alone. Thank you, Christian. We are Christians because of God's grace. And so uh, we're going to see what this passage teaches about salvation in, in three points. First, we're, we're saved by grace alone. If you're taking notes, we are going to see that in verse 8. And then we see uh, that we receive grace through faith alone, verses 8 and 9. And third, the funny thing about grace is that grace actually works. Grace works. A little play on words there. Um, but verse 10, focus on. So we're saved by grace alone. Uh, we, we read in our, in our scripture reading, you, you heard verses 1 through 10. Why did, why did we go all the way back to verse 1? Because there's a bigger picture, right? We need to know the context. But the context is this. First, if we're going to see how good the good news is, if we're going to see how, how magnificent the gospel message is, we have to realize our true estate before God, and see how bad the bad news is. To understand how bad things really are. And so Paul, he says, as those who are fallen sinners in Adam, he says, you were D-E-A-D, dead. And he says, you're children of wrath. And then you are being led astray by the powers of this present evil age. That's not a good picture, right? Um, uh, You wouldn't have a very high view of yourself with that, right? Definitely not. Bad news. And then he says these words. He says, but. He says, but what? But God. Right? I mean, you could have an entire sermon off of but God. Actually, one preacher did that. We're not just focused on that. We're going to expand it out a little bit. But but God. Right? God is the one at work here. And these two words, they transition us, they move us from the bad news to the good news of the gospel. That's where I want us to, to focus and, and turn our attention, uh, verses eight, 8 through 10. Salvation is by grace alone. For he says, for by grace, um, before I go any further, right, what is grace anyways? Is grace like this thing? Is it grace the name of a person, like a daughter or a friend we know? I, I know grace, or grace, we call her Gracie. Um, is grace, what is it? Is it like this thing? A gift. Man, you're jumping ahead. All right, let's slow down. So, so the, the Roman, that's perfect. Thank you, Demi. Uh, the Roman Catholic Church teaches uh, that grace is like a substance. You can think of it as a commodity like gasoline, right? So you, you fill up your car with this substance, with grace, gasoline. So you get that first installment at baptism, right? Get a little bit in the tank. And then when you start to run low, you go to the other sacraments and you keep getting filled up with gas, right? It's a substance. It's, it's a thing. That's what grace is. That's not grace. (laughs) Grace is not a substance. Grace is God's favor. Grace is God's favorable disposition to people who don't deserve it. That's grace. And and the people defined, right, if we look at at Ephesians 1 through 7, right, the people described in that picture, that people, including us, Not a pretty picture. Not semi-good or good people. No, not one. But God shows a favorable disposition towards bad and sinful people. Romans puts it this way. God justifies the wicked after all. The wicked. So often we think of grace as unmerited favor. Maybe you've heard the, the definition of grace is getting what you don't deserve. And I think that's helpful and it captures some of it. But Paul goes further than that, right? It's not just getting what you don't deserve, but grace comes to us in spite of ourselves. Like, we get in the way, and we are in opposition to God in every which way. We've done everything to reject him, yet God still accepts us. So it's not just unmerited favor, right? A better helpful understanding would be, this is demerited favor, right? I've done everything wrong. I've rejected God, And yet God has lavished his hope and his love and his mercy upon me. Anyway. And so that's what Paul teaches us in in chapter 2. Since the fall, all of us are spiritually dead. That's the honest truth. Again, you were dead in your trespasses. Before the grace of God, we are bad people. No, no. That doesn't get at it, right? We're not just bad people. We are what kind of people? Dead people. That's the kind of people we are. Um, but God. Right? For by grace. But God. Grace isn't just unmerited favor. Grace is God's attitude of demerited favor towards sinners who are dead and lifeless. That is this picture here. And so God doesn't just give grace to good people or semi-good people. There aren't any. Paul's point is more grave than this. We have to capture that. That God doesn't just give us grace because we're bad people. God doesn't just make bad people better, right? But he raises the dead who are six feet under to life. That's gospel. God has pulled us out from where you and I have buried ourselves six feet under. Verse 8 goes on, for by grace you have been saved. Have been, right? Something that has happened to you. You didn't get grace. You didn't earn it. But God graced you with, with his grace. That's why it's in the past. Something that happened. And it's done. It's finished. And we also see, verse 8, that grace is absolutely opposed to human effort. So he goes on. He says, it's like, get this through your thick skulls, right? Right? This is not your own doing, verse 8. This is not your own doing. Whoa. okay, I'm getting it, Paul. Right, if I'm not responsible for grace, if I can do nothing to earn grace, in fact, I've done everything to undeserve it. I've done everything to de-deserve it, right? Then grace is the, the, the result of the character of God, of who God is of the action of God, of what God himself can do. Not because of anything that results from within me, or is done by me, or that is from me. Now, I realize this is a really hard pill to swallow. Super hard pill to swallow. It's hard to swallow because our entire lives are built around this idea of human performance, right? If I study really hard, I prepare very well, I have the right cliff notes, I'm going to do well on my exam, right? If I put in the time at work, right, put in some extra hours, I'm going to get paid more. Or maybe I'll earn that Christmas bonus. Um, If I do all my chores, mom and dad are going to get me, I don't know, somebody throw me a bone here. Xbox, whoa. I don't know what kind of chores you guys do in your family. But I'm coming over (laughs) All right, so from childhood to adulthood, that's that's how things operate. If you put in, you get out. Um, A CrossFit coach I had years ago, he said, um, the more you do it, the more you can do it. And that was true for CrossFit, right? The more I did it, the better I got. The more, you know, I could do a better wad. Yay. Um, and that was great. But it's true in fitness. It's true in sports. It's true in, in, in work and school. But this idea is not true in Christianity. The gospel turns human performance, right? Human effort on its head. The gospel says, grace says... Jesus himself has done it. So live. Right? Not do this and live, but believe this. And it is done already. It is finished. It is accomplished. For you. It's good news. What compelled God to save us? Uh, It wasn't because of our effort. If it wasn't because of how important we are. Why does he save anybody? Since we've all rejected him. Well... The Bible locates our salvation, this grace, all in the character of God, because of who He is. Right? He's a God who is gracious. He is benevolent. He's a gift-giving God. Um, he's so good. He's so giving that He couldn't help but to save even those who had rejected Him. And that's good news. So salvation's by grace alone. Uh, I just wanted to emphasize that. It's such a core teaching of the Christian faith. We have to get that right. Salvation's by grace alone. And how do we get that grace alone? Well, it's received by faith alone. So I want us to think about that now. Verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. So God's grace becomes ours through faith alone. Now the word alone is not found here. Very obvious, right? You're looking through the page. I don't see alone. You keep saying this alone thing, faith alone. There's no alone there. Alone is a. There's no alone. It's left alone. Um, but it belongs here, right? It should be here because Paul contrasts faith with works in verse nine. So, in other words, if if we can't receive God's grace by our works, then it is only by faith that we receive God's grace. That's all faith alone is meaning. That it is only by faith. And so don't let clever speech from anyone tell you otherwise on that. Um, verse 8 continues. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Uh, so this is a, a very important word. The word is this. This. Doesn't seem like it's an important word. But this is very important. So uh, two, eight This is not your own doing. There's a huge, intense, long, historical debate over that word. So, just if you're, in case anyone's wondering. Um, it's super fun to read through. Not really. Um, and it's, it's over what this, right, tuta, what this, this means. Uh, in Greek, we have several options, and um, to my, the best of my ability, pre-modern commentators like Chrysostom, so early, early church guys, all the way up to uh, one of John Calvin's students in the Reformation, Theodore Beza, um, they all said that this refers to faith. So this is referring to faith. One pre-modern commentator, John Calvin, And then a lot of other commentators, um, more modern commentators, say that this refers to grace and faith. So which is it? Is it faith, or is it grace and faith? Um, Either way you go, uh, the idea here that faith is something we contribute, right, is absolutely wrong, no matter how you look at it. There's nothing that we do. Faith is not a work. Faith is a, loved how somebody put it back there, faith is a gift. Yes, nailed it. Nailed it way at the beginning. Perfect. Um, So faith is a gift, and it's contrasted with our works. Not a result of works, as he puts it. Uh, Paul's being redundant here. He's intentionally being redundant. I mean, he he wants to get it through... um, We have thick skulls, that's just how to put it. I mean, we just are so stubborn, right? We just don't get grace. We don't get it. We don't get it at all. And so we need to be reminded. We are forgetful. We are sinful. And the gospel is really good news. And it needs to remain good news. And so those who do come to Christ and believe in him by faith... ...do so not because they had faith. In other words, faith itself can't be a work... Paul's point is that it's not a work. By nature of something being a gift, it can't be something that you earn. Paul says in Romans, he puts it like this, To the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as is due. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. So faith is opposed to works. On this past uh, Christmas morning, this is really a question for children, and there's a couple in here to ask. Did you work hard for all those presents under the Christmas tree? Did you do chores for that Xbox? No, right? No, you didn't. Definitely not. A present is a gift, right? A present is something that is received. With open hands, right? If you work for a present, that's not a very fun present, right? <laughs> if you're, that, that, that's how you get it. Um, you didn't earn each of those presents under the Christmas tree. You didn't work 40 hours so you could get the new BMX bike or the yo-yo or the Elsa from Frozen doll or Olaf or the yo-yo um, or the Lego set, right? You didn't, you didn't work for any of those things. But we, we contribute absolutely nothing at all to our salvation, nothing just as a gift isn't earned. I mean, how silly would it be to ask our kids, right, after they open their present under the Christmas tree, okay, you owe me 20 bucks, kid. Uh, that one's 40. <laughs> you know, right, that would, man, heartbreaking Christmas. What a scrooge, right? Um, but that's not, though, how gifts work, right? We, we don't earn them, we receive them. And that's the point. That's Paul's point. And so we see not even our faith is our contribution, Right? Not even the faith that I have is something that I can do. Um, not your own doing, not of works. Paul ties this double knot, right? Not, not, around this idea of human effort. Not your own doing, not of works. He wants to stop every mouth from running on about works righteousness. No, we didn't do anything. God has done everything, right? As we sing, all glory be to God. Sole Dea Gloria. So the ground for our salvation is the grace of God, and the instrument that He uses to give us His grace is faith. It's received by faith alone. So remember this: that we bring empty hands to this table, and God puts hands into God's pu- God puts sorry faith into our hands. One theologian, he put it like this. He said, faith is extraspective. It's A really cool, helpful way to put it. It's a weird word because we, we think of introspective, you know, introspective, looking in. Extrospective is looking out, right? Looking out to God. Looking outside of self. And it rests, or it trusts, and it leans upon Jesus alone. It's not our own doing. It's the doing of Christ. So the three phrases, not of yourself... It is the gift of God, not of works. Again, this is redundant on purpose. All right. Paul is making a clear point. This is the gospel. Get it right, you know. Um, however, it's not just repetition, not of yourselves. What, what's that pointing out? If it's not of yourselves? Salvation is not because of our status, right? Because of the status of who we are. We can't claim our, our birthright. Um, I had Christian parents or whatever it is you know that that 's why I entered the kingdom of God. Um, it is the gift of God. What does that highlight? We just talked about that it 's unearned we don 't buy our presence right it 's a gift that we receive and not of works. What does that mean there 's nothing that we can do. nothing that we can contribute, no amount of effort or striving or running can ever make God owe you and so here we 're taught that righteousness comes to us from God's grace alone, offered to us through Christ as he's clothed in his gospel. So we can't appeal to who we are, to how much we have earned, to what our net worth is, to what we have done, to something we have done. Um, All we have earned is his wrath and his displeasure and his judgment, if we're looking at our own efforts. God himself had to exert through sending his son, his Christ, the righteousness required in order for us to be accepted before God. So why does this matter so much to get this right? Our text gives us the reason. I'll say it. So that no one may boast... ...God's purpose in giving us a salvation... ...that is purely grace... right? ...purely of His doing... ...purely of all of His effort... ...is to exclude our arrogance and our pride. Paul and the Reformation have placed so much emphasis on this point... ...so that no one may boast... ...because if we are to boast... ...we should only boast in the Lord... Imagine if we did go around and we started boasting because of how good we are. Or if that were part of our faith. I mean, we would be like the most arrogant, proud, religious people on the planet. But because it's all God's doing, not our doing. There's a certain humility that comes with being a Christian. It's like, I don't deserve it. I've done everything to not earn this. I've done everything wrong, and yet God has done everything right, and now I'm counted as one who's done everything right. What a glorious message that is. Not what my hands have done, but what thy hands have done. All my hands have ever done is dig my own grave. I was dead, and I was buried in the dirt, and Jesus was living above ground, living the life I never could have lived, and dying the death I should have died in my place to bring me out of this ground. Buried with Christ so I could be raised with Christ. That is the gospel of good news for sinners. And so, if we receive grace by faith alone and not by our works, what's the place of our works? What's the place of good works? Why should we do anything good? Uh, our third point this morning is simply this grace works. It just does. Grace works. Uh, works righteousness does not work. Right? Anyone who tries to earn their own righteousness before God fails to earn a righteous status before God, and they fail to love their neighbor. I want to talk about that for a second. Right when we're so focused on our performance record, our performance card, our performance review before God, our self salvation. Right, we are turned in on ourselves. We're caved in on ourselves, bent in, and so. When we're actually trying to do a good work for somebody, we're thinking about how good we were at doing that good work. And wow, I was such a good servant. Oh man, did you see me do that? Did you see me stack those chairs? Boom, you know, I'm the best. Like, you just think about that. And and it's all about earning this credit, right? Earning something before God. Always earning a Christian point in order to kind of scale up, uh, to level up to get closer to God. In contrast to this, grace works, right? Those who've received grace through faith alone are free from worrying about their own checklist, their own performance review, their own, how many Christian points did I, you know, earn this month? Um, How many levels up have I done? Like, we're not worried about that anymore because it's all finished. It's all done. I'm freed from that. Now, I'm not freed from loving my neighbor because I love how uh, one theologian named Martin Luther, he put it, God doesn't need our good works, but our neighbor does. And that's the thing, right? That's, that's why, why we do good works. Well, it's because look at what God has done for me. How could I not help my neighbor? But It's not about earning anything, right? The earnings has been done by Jesus. So Paul grounds this idea of grace working with with two reasons. Grace works because it rests on the creative power of God. That's the first part of, of verse 10. And then grace works because God has prepared this in advance. So how could grace not work? So grace works because God is the one empowering us to do good works. Verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus. If God started this work, he's going to finish it. No doubt about that. He finishes what he starts. Christ was the perfect, obedient son. And as those who are united to him by faith, we too will begin to walk in obedience after his likeness. But notice this language, right? Workmanship. Created. What does that call us back to in the Bible? What book in the Bible? Genesis. Genesis. Yeah, all the way back to the beginning. Book of Origins. When God created all things. When the Spirit of God hovers over the face of the waters. When the earth was without without form and void. When it was essentially disorganized clutter. Right? How many people... Just a side note. How many people hate clutter? Like if I... How many people hate this? How many people won't focus on my sermon now because the pulpit's not straight? Right? All right. God took this, right, and he made this. Right, our disorganized chaos, our clutter, and he rearranged the furniture. And that's what God does with his original creation. That's what God is doing with his new creation. That's what he's doing. We are messy workshops. Oh, man. Simultaneously, just and a sinner. That is, that is each of us. But God has been in this business for a long time. He's been doing it since the beginning of time, right? He knows how to turn a really bad fixer-upper into a beautiful estate. And so God will take your messy life, right, and he will turn it in, and he'll rearrange that pulpit, and he'll rearrange that furniture, as ugly as it is, as dirty as it is, as many moldy windows as you have in your house. And he will, as I love how another theologian put, put this, he will turn your house into a home. There's a difference. This is a house, like when you go to a model home, you know, and you're checking out the house. Oh, it looks really nice, but you'd never really live in it. Although some I'd actually want to live in. They're really nice. But different than when it's homey, right? When someone really lives there and dwells there, It's a difference. So this is God's promise and pledge to us as new creatures in Christ, that he is going to finish that work that he started Now, don't miss this point. Um, it's also part of the gospel. We are saved for good works. Not by good works. We are saved for good works. Verse 10. The text says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. All right, so we're saved by faith alone, but this faith is never alone. Good works are the fruit and not the root. Or as Augustine, uh, the church father, he put it, Works proceed from faith and not faith from works. So grace works because of the creative power of God at flow working through us. That's the first reason. And second, grace works because God has prepared this in advance. So we're justified and we're sanctified by grace through faith alone in Christ the gospel is not only that we've been justified, the gospel is also that we are being sanctified, right? We are being renewed. We are being made more and more like Jesus. However, even sanctification, right, are being made more and more like Jesus is by grace through faith alone. So if we get in by grace... We stay in by grace. It's grace through and through. Grace is what makes somebody a Christian. And God's grace is what keeps somebody as a Christian. Like once you're a Christian, all of a sudden the game plan doesn't change for how do I become more and more like Christ. It's still the gospel. The gospel is how we're continually renewed. But notice what he says. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God is working in us to do that which we could never do alone. We're new creatures in Christ, a new creation, and as those created by God anew, we begin to do good good works. Good works that benefit our neighbor and bring more and more glory to God. So the goal of the gospel is not only to leave us justified and sanctified, but glorified. Um, This is why... Paul uses the language of our being in Christ as being uh, essentially in a workshop, right? We're like, we're in God's workshop, and we're being worked on, uh, made for good works, which were prepared in advance. And our ultimate goal is that, uh, as the opening of Ephesians chapter 1 puts it, that we would be holy and blameless and acceptable before God. That is the ultimate goal. So in Christ, we're being justified, we're being sanctified, we're being glorified, um, we will be one day soon. He will glorify us. As I, as I want to close uh, thinking about this sermon, I want, I want us to remember the opening words uh, that we all heard that one sinner wrote to other sinners to sing about the grace of God, right? Not what my hands have done can save this guilty soul. I mean, these are words from any of us, right? From me to you, or from you to me, from one fellow sinner to another, right? What can we do? What can be done? How about if I do enough, will I be right with you, God? How about if I serve enough, Will I be right with you, God? What about what I feel? What if I feel that I'm at peace inside? Am I at peace with you, God? What if I think happy thoughts? Will you think of me in a better light? What about my prayers? What if I start praying more? It's a new year. What if I read through the whole Bible in one year, Lord? What if if I do this more, Lord? What if I cry? What if my prayers and tears and sighs, could they ever be enough? Never. We will never be able to do enough. Our work cannot bear the just, pure judgment of God. Our hands can never be busy enough to earn acceptance with God. But, God. Jesus' hands were busy. Jesus' hands got dirty. Turning a house into a home. Making all things right. And through Jesus' work, his nail-pierced hands, all the way from the manger to the cross, right, he has accomplished something that we needed done, that he has done for us. For all of you who believe in Jesus Christ today, you have peace with God. You have freedom in Christ. And you are loved by God. Father, we thank you for um, the Apostle Paul's clarity of words. Uh, Words do matter. Um, You're the God of words, the God of speech. You created this world by speaking. And you create Christians by speaking the gospel into our lives. And so we thank you for these words of clarity about the core of your gospel... That we are saved by your grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus Christ alone. And that that news propels us to look out for our neighbor. To love our neighbor as you have fully loved us. Because Lord, it changes everything that when you see us, when you look at us, you love us because of your son. And that changes everything.